Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host. Thanks for joining us on one of the 42 radio stations, YouTube, iTunes, or the show website, CREshow.com. Well, today we have a very interesting show for you. We're going to talk about the U.S. office market. You know, the office market has been very interesting. There's been a lot of changes going on with the way companies are using space. Uh, They seem to be wanting to continue to use less square footage per employee to kind of control costs. But at the same time, we're seeing companies a little more concerned with retention and with recruiting uh, as the job market has improved. We've also seen kind of a change of views where uh, companies are wanting more creative uh, space and wanting to be in the right locations for recruiting and for transit. We've also had an incredible amount of investor interest in the office market. So that has compressed rates. We've had uh, cap rates. We've also had a great interest in uh, investors in, in all types of office properties. We've had some users buying properties. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about some strategies for tenants, for investors, and for landlords. So let's get going. Please welcome my first guest. It's Ryan Severino with Reese. He's a senior economist there. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hello, Michael. Always a pleasure to be talking to you. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, Ryan, you guys at Reese do a great job of tracking all the commercial real estate markets, especially around the U.S. So how has the office market performed uh, so far this year? You know, so far this year, performance has been okay. That's a, that's a technical term that we economists use. <laughs> Vacancy through uh, mid-year is at about 16.6%, which is down only about 10 basis points from the end of last year. And that's largely due to tepid demand because construction remains relatively muted. On the rent side, things are slightly more optimistic than what's going on with vacancy. Asking rents grew by about 1.6% through the first six months of this year, and they're actually up about 3.2% over the last 12 months. So while vacancy hasn't budged all that much, uh, rents are actually growing at a relatively healthy pace, though uh, not something that I would, would describe at a breakneck pace. And are these rents, uh, as the trend on these rental increases seem to be increasing at this point? Absolutely. And I would say it's been a slow, steady slog for the office market recovery. But the one thing that we have seen is not just increasing rate of rent growth over time, but it's been consistent in the sense that we haven't seen rent growth faltering at all. So it's been consistent and slowly improving. Okay. And what about the differences you see, Ryan, between, say, A and B and C, and and then also CBD and, and suburban? You know, generally speaking, I'd say that A has outperformed BC properties. A's uh, have had roughly the double uh, the rate of vacancy compression that we've seen with BC from from peak vacancy to where we are today, and rents have certainly been growing faster. While, as I mentioned, there is little demand out there, it is certainly focusing on A properties. While rents are relatively attractive to a lot of tenants, as far as the CBD versus the suburban story, the story there is a little more nuanced. Vacancy is definitely falling faster in the CBDs, but that's largely because inventory is about twice as large in the suburbs as we find in the CBDs. But on an absolute basis, we're still seeing more space being absorbed in the suburbs. Uh, so they're far from dead contrary to conventional wisdom. I feel like uh, my, my mission on this planet, in addition to being a, a good father and uh, good spouse, is to disabuse a lot of the myths that are out there about commercial real estate that a lot of people believe. And this is one of my favorites, that the suburbs are dead. The suburbs are definitely not dead. They just, uh, you know, some areas are struggling and some areas are doing well. So it's really a question of 
have and have not suburban markets right now. Yeah, that's a good point. And let's talk about some of those markets that are doing better or doing worse. So what are some of the cities and markets that you see that have been performing really well this year? You know, it's still really uh, the technology industry's world, and we're all just kind of living in it. (laughs) The tech markets really continue to lead the way. Vacancy has been coming down rapidly in these markets, while rent growth has been the strongest in the nation. Uh, Even the once mighty energy markets have faltered a little bit with the serious decline in oil prices that we've seen over the last year or so. But tech really keeps chugging along. So places like San Francisco, San Jose, Seattle, Boston uh, all show up at the top of the ranking table just because technology is such a huge growth engine for the economy right now, and it's one of the few industries that are consistently generating significant demand for office space. Okay, and so if you were a betting man, where would you bet that the most demand will be you know, moving forward, say, into to next year? Which, uh, which of some markets that are, you think will continue to be hot? You know, there... In a similar vein, the tech market should continue to perform well. I don't really see anything on the short-term horizon that makes me think they're going to get derailed anytime soon. But in addition to those, places like Dallas really shows up on the radar screen. Dallas continues to do a good job attracting companies from other parts of the country, and it's performed really well over the last year or so. Uh, Also kind of under the radar a little bit has been Miami, which has had a resurgence as you know, the unofficial capital of Latin American business. There's mm-hmm. been relatively strong interest in space in Miami. Plus, the residential real estate market in Miami has really recovered nicely, and that's a big business down in Miami. So those are probably two of the ones that, that show up uh, outside the usual suspects of Tech New York, uh, Houston, places like that. Okay. So overall, are you bullish on the market moving forward, the office market around the U.S.? I would say so. I think... Uh, we should see better performance in the economy and labor market over the next, oh, say, you know, four to five years than we've seen over the previous four to five years. And, and you know, when it comes to the office market, you know, this isn't rocket science. It's not quantum mechanics or anything. Really, we just need to see office using employment, which generates demand for space. And up until, you know, maybe the last 12 months or so, we've seen a really muted response from office using employment as the economy's recovered. But that started to change about 12 to 18 months ago, and now that we're seeing more jobs that are being created are actually sort of higher value-add service sector jobs that utilize office space, uh, it definitely portends better times ahead for office, uh, not just this year, which we expect to be better in the latter half of the year, but over the next, as I mentioned, three, four, five years or so. Okay. We're talking with Ryan Severino with Reese about the office market. So, Ryan, so you have improving rents, you have improving occupancy. You've also said that, that uh, new supply is still very muted. So what is this doing to cap rates uh, in the office environment? You know, generally speaking, cap rates are still on a, on a downward trend overall. I wouldn't say we're seeing quite the same pace of cap rate compression that we saw a few years ago, but, you know, this is still one of the major commercial asset classes, and it always shows up on investors' radar screens, especially institutional investors. So uh, where we've seen strong activity have been, you know, kind of the places that you would mention. Class A cap rates have definitely compressed further than BC, you know, which, which makes sense given the stronger market environment that we've seen for Class A fundamentals over the last few years. Uh, on, on the market side, you know, we really continue to see the lowest cap rates in the hottest markets, places like New York, D.C., Northern California, some of those tech markets, because investors remain so focused on markets that they really like, uh, where the, the investment thesis is not necessarily a layup, but it's very well understood. So they've relatively 
shied away from some of the other markets out there. And there can be some sizable differences in cap rates between what I would term the, the have and have not office markets in the U.S. right now. Can you share with us some sample cap rate uh, ranges that you're seeing in some of these markets? Boy, it's crazy. If you're talking about the really hot markets like New York, San Francisco, D.C., places like that, you know, some deals are going off kind of low single-digit cap rates, you know, 3 4 5% in some instances. And then you get to some of the have-not markets. I don't want to – I won't name any of them, so it doesn't sound like I'm picking on them. But in some of those markets, you're still seeing very high single-digit cap rates, you know, 8 9%. And in some instances, some deals – uh, that are actually trading are going off at low double-digit cap rates. So there's a you know, fairly significant spread between what's going on in the low cap rate markets for really good deals and some of the higher cap rate markets where the deals are, you know, they're a little marginal. Like I mentioned, the thesis isn't abundantly obvious, and, and a lot of investors are not uh, tremendously excited to jump into those markets just yet. Right. And one of the things you said, Ryan, that's uh, impacting this market and these cap rates and, and these rising rates is, is the impact of kind of low levels of new supply in most markets. So where are we on new supply levels and how does it compare historically to, to what you've seen? Boy, you know, there's not much of anything really going on. It's not that supply is zero, but mm-hmm. it's, it's at such low levels that when I look at supply over time, I, I will concede that it's slowly increasing, but it only really seems like an increase because the levels are so low. If we were in a more normal development environment, something that was occurring in the 90s or the 2000s, the growth in construction activity that we've observed recently would look like a glorified rounding error. I will say this, uh, that over the last 12 months, we've seen a bit of an uptick. And again, it's from a relatively low basis, but we've seen a bit of an uptick in speculative development and it's been selective but I look at that as, as a good harbinger of things to come because you wouldn't see investors and developers taking a flyer on space if they didn't think fortunes were improving even if it becomes a game of glorified musical chairs at some point where they're just trying to lure tenants from older space into newer space which I think will will probably happen initially with some of these speculative developments it's still generally a heartening sign Uh, because somebody wouldn't be going through the motions of that if they thought, well, this will just be glorified musical chairs for three or four years and we're just going to tough it out. Ryan, thanks for joining us, sir. Stay tuned. We'll have more on the office market. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the U.S. office market. You know, and a lot of times we're talking about these core markets around the gateway cities. We're talking about the institutional quality office buildings and other types of real estate. But, you know, a lot of our listeners and viewers around the country are in the secondary markets and tertiary markets. And certainly there's a lot of opportunity there. And so let's talk about that. Please welcome my next guest. It's James Cook. He's National Director of Analytics with Excelligent. James, thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, you guys do a, a good job there of covering, uh, you know, a lot of the, the markets around the country. You guys have been growing, so I understand you guys are, are now about to splash in Orlando and in Houston, right? That's correct. We're yeah. moving quickly uh, to get into new markets. Well, that's great. Well, let's talk about some of these secondary markets. Uh, you know, how much interest? is there for investors in some of these secondary and tertiary markets? Uh, It seems to be increasing, isn't it? Uh, 
I would say so. Yeah, I'm investors um, and the brokers that represent them are really interested, I think, in what's going on beyond the core markets. Um, they've seen low yields um, from treasuries for some time, which has pu pushed both domestic and global investors to invest in core U.S. office markets. But that's driven down cap rates. So now some investors um, are either doing it or considering doing it, chasing yield in those non-core markets. And uh, we saw such a, an amount of interest in this topic that last month we put together a panel at uh, NAOP has an, it's called OCON, it's an office conference. We did a panel we called a journey to the center of America, um, where we talked about secondary and tertiary office markets, because for a lot of people, it is something of a journey. Um, these secondary and tertiary office markets are something that's sort of outside of their comfort zone. Right. And so give us some uh, sample uh, examples of the cap rates that these investors are having to pay in these gateway markets and then the increased return they can see in some secondary markets. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too. I mean, what I tried to do, you know, I'm the research guy, so I want to look at the numbers. And I'm interested in testing um, some of what our assumptions are about um, the secondary markets. And one of our assumptions is that um, secondary markets always have lower cap rates. Um, absolutely the case. That's one of the assumptions that turned out to be true. So, you know, Manhattan office, you know, New York is always going to be the leader in investment global demand uh, in the U.S. So average cap rates for Manhattan, four and a half percent, Chicago, 5.7 percent. But then you compare that um, with some secondary markets um, like Cleveland or Minneapolis, both at 7.8 percent. But what I think is most interesting is that some of these secondary markets demand as such that cap rates <clears throat> are really starting to narrow the gap between primary and secondary. So you've got Nashville um, with cap rates now down to 6.4%, which isn't than Los Angeles, which has average cap rates of 6%. Right, so that gap's closing a little bit as these investors are, are chasing yield, right? And let's talk about how these properties perform because I think the investors always have more of a comfort level with these gateway markets because they feel like they're going to have great occupancy, great demand, great rental growth. Uh, so, so what do you see as, as the secondary markets? Is there a lot more vacancy in these markets? Well, so our assumption, obviously, rates are going to be higher in secondary markets. And it turns out vacancy rates are not always higher in secondary markets. So you've got your hot non-core markets, um, for example, Nashville, Portland, and Minneapolis, with lower vacancy rates than some core markets. So for example, Chicago's vacancy rate is at 15.6%, Los Angeles is at 14.5%. Meanwhile, Nashville's all the way down to 8.6%. Portland is at 8.7%. What's great about um, you know, for example, uh, Nashville right now is that uh, Class A, for example, vacancy rates are so low, it's at 3%, that it's spurring on new construction. Nashville's got 2 million square feet of new construction going on right now. Most of that by the health healthcare industry, which is huge in, in Nashville. Okay. And what about uh, rental rates? Uh, are, are you, what are you seeing for rental rates in these secondary and tertiary markets? And how do they compare to the gateway cities? 
That seems to be another assumption that we held that is indeed holding up to scrutiny. Rents are higher in primary markets. Um, just demand drives up rents. You've got Manhattan again, which is a crazy outlier. Um, you know where rents are over sixty-seven dollars a square foot off office uh, asking rents, and compare that with say Cleveland, which is uh, seventeen dollars and sixty. Five cents per square foot. So there's a huge swing there. Um, and you're talking about a, a, B, and C here, right? Yeah, this okay. is average asking rents right. okay. overall for office mm -hmm. um, for competitive A, B, and C space. Um, Nashville, again, is that one that's sort of closing the gap, although not so much. I mean, rents in Nashville are still uh, $22.60 a foot, is still $10 cheaper than you're seeing in Los Angeles. But that's less of a gap than we've seen in the past. So as you're crunching these numbers and you guys have looked at these markets, what else jumps out to you in the numbers for these secondary type markets? Well, I thought, I mean, when I started looking at this topic, I thought, well, you know, you know what? If I live in a primary market, I'm going to assume that I'm making more money than somebody in a secondary market. So I wanted to test that. And I wanted to look at the average of wages. And so we just we chose some markets and looked at some BLS average wage data. And of course, if you live in New York, uh, you're going to be making more money. So um, New York's mean wage is uh, $61,640. But um, again, there are some markets where that doesn't pan out. If you live in Portland, Oregon, uh, where you're making over $50,000 a year on average, Minneapolis, over $50, $52,000 a year, that's actually higher than what the average is in Chicago of about $51,000. Um, in fact, Minneapolis is nearly as high as LA, which mean wages are at $53,000. Markets like Portland, for example, Austin is another one. They're just such a draw um, for millennials and, and young workers that they're really driving up that, that demand, um, and we're seeing higher wages because of it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll close with the million-dollar question for you. Uh, which secondary and tertiary markets, if you're investing in the office market, should you consider right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say, as far as looking at cap rates are concerned, the smart money seems to be going to places like Portland, uh, Nashville, um, Cleveland to a certain extent. Um, I would bet my money on Portland. There seems to be a huge amount of demand in Portland. For example, uh, Scott Madsen, who's a broker in Portland, um, has just, uh, you know, who was on our panel uh, that we did up was mentioning that Airbnb had been looking for space. You know, they had thousands of workers they wanted to locate in downtown Portland. They could secure the space. They didn't even have parking requirements. So they expected their employees to bike or take public transit. Um, they still couldn't find the space. That's how high in demand Portland is right now. Yeah, those, those are good points. I think, you know, when you look at these secondary and tertiary markets that have good employment, you know, they have a robust economy, they could be some great places to invest. And James, we appreciate you investing some time with us for our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. And if you'd like more from Excelligent, visit their website. It's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T dot com. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back with more on the U.S. office market. 
Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today, we're talking about the U.S. office market. Next, please welcome my next guest, John Hagee. He is a rock star in the office market. He's Senior Managing Director with Heinz. Now, Heinz is pretty big in the office environment and in commercial real estate. They were founded in 1957. They have locations in 185 cities and 19 countries, including regional offices in Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, London, New York, and San Francisco. John, thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And and John, you've uh, you've been active. You guys have been active in new development and, and new buildings and, and filling up some of these spaces in this demand. So what's new in the, the new office? You know, we hear that no one wants to drop ceilings. They, they, they want concrete floors. They want open spaces. They want technology. What are you guys providing? Well, you know, what's interesting, uh, Michael, is that uh, more about than, than just the buildings themselves is that where these buildings are being built right now. Um, uh, there was an interesting statistic that came out a number of years ago by Chris Leinberger, who made the prediction that about 80 to 90 percent of our development was going to happen on 10 percent of the available land. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now across the country. Uh, tenants are really voting for where they want to be with their feet. They, uh, they want walkable environments. They want uh, connectivity. So those office buildings, the new office buildings of the future, are all located in locations where the customer really wants to be, not just where we can get a great piece of land at a, at a great price. And how much is transit involved in that? It's huge. Yeah. Um, you know, connectivity with transit is a, a direct connection to that younger generation that really is our, our consumer of the future. And, you know, what's also interesting is that the um, uh, my generation uh, that now is transitioning in where we live residentially, we're seeing the value of that connectivity as well. Yeah, you know, traffic is only getting worse in most most all major cities, right? So if you can live closer, and then there's also this clustering, right? You know, we've seen that in retail and in, in restaurants where they they like to cluster, but we're seeing a little bit of that in the office market, especially in the technology world, aren't we? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. Yeah, and what about the amenities and kind of the features? You know, what are what are drawing in tenants to new space today? Well, you know, companies are nowadays focused on collaboration. Um, they've got uh, a much more intense focus on their individual uh, uh, companies. Uh, goals and, and, and long-term values in the company. So uh, having a space that reflects that is, is important. Mm-hmm. Open floor plans uh, with open ceilings, um, uh, spaces that have a lot more light that come into the space, mm-hmm. make it a lot more appealing for uh, their customers to be there, their employees to be there. Also, you know, uh, the new reality is that we've got uh, ten- tenants and, and customers that have a much higher density uh, per square foot. So you're seeing build- that continue? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's only getting more and more, and uh, our buildings have to be able to address that. The buildings of the future have to be able to, d- to address that. Older buildings are having a struggle with that, you know, yeah. uh, with with things like elevating and and plumbing systems and electrical and mechanical. Uh, those are, are issues for the older buildings that the new buildings uh, can address now. Right, and I guess also parking if you're not on transit can be a problem when there's more people, right? Big challenge. Big right. challenge. 
Yeah, and some of these uh, heating and cooling systems uh, in these older buildings, I guess, can can be a challenge, right, when you have m- much more people in the space. Exactly right. I mean, yeah. that's a back to the density question. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the other interesting thing is that if we think about buildings of the past, uh, uh, lobbies were, uh, you know, really served a different purpose. Uh, lobbies today are 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 very different. They they serve a, a, a purpose of collaboration. It's not just a uh, a processional into the building. The tenants want to activate them. They want to be able to use those lobbies as a part of their own uh, organization's uh, activities. Yeah. How much is bandwidth a draw uh, today? You mean like gigab- gigabyte yeah. and what have you? I mean yeah. it's huge. Yeah. Uh, it's huge. There's yeah. a there's it's not an expectation today but i can tell you sometime in the next five to five years or so it will be an expectation mm-hmm. yeah i can see where that uh, would be important so um well let's talk about you know, the job market i mean we we hear about these uh in the tenants that we work with hey they want to cram more people in less space but but they're also more concerned now is the job market's improving with retention and recruiting uh folks so how is that impacting the the industry for you guys well it's it's huge mm-hmm. um we're seeing it across the country. There's a huge war for talent, mm-hmm. uh, for hiring talented people. And, uh, you know, whereas in the, in the, in the past, uh, office buildings largely weren't where the boss had his, had, had his home. Uh, <laughs> right. And the, the employees, you know, just had to kind of fall in line. But, um, you know, there's an interesting statistic that I saw the other day. Think of these numbers, 3, 30, and 300. Three dollars a square foot is what a uh, a company is spending on energy cost. Thirty dollars a square foot is what they're spending on office rent. Three hundred dollars a square foot is what they're spending on human resource, the employees that are in that uh, in that office. So you know, figure out where they're really putting their emphasis these days. It's on those employees. Right. Well, and that's important, and uh, they can't lose sight of that. And. And, and it's it's more important than ever as this job market continues to improve. I know when we picked the location we're in in our corporate office, we mapped every employee, every broker, and said, all right, now where do we want to be? We're going to take a short break. We'll have more with John about the U.S. office market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking about the office market. John Hagee is here with Heinz, a rock star in the office market. And, and John, one of the things I think is really interesting about the office market is everybody talks about CBD, the, the infill uh, office, and that's where people want to live and work. But there's a development called Avalon that is, what, 25 miles north of Atlanta. It's real suburbia, Mm -hmm. and they've had some really good success leasing office space. Tell us about what you guys are going to be doing up there. Well, it's it's interesting. You know, it's back to what we initially talked about. It's it's really a mixed-use development. It's where employers and employees want to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, The developers of Avalon refer to themselves as an urban burb. So uh, that gives you some clue as to as to what the success is is there, but but that's what it is. It's a it's a place where companies uh, can can have their employees. They can live there. They can uh, uh, obviously work there. They can enjoy their their lives there with everything that's available. And and we were drawn to it for that reason. It's kind of back to what I said. That 10 percent. That's the key location in 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 the northern area of uh, of Atlanta. 
And what kind of rents have they been getting there for their office space? You know, their loft product, is, which is what they uh, mm-hmm. started with, and we're going to be doing a different product, more of a traditional uh, mm-hmm. uh, tower. But their loft product started at around $26 a square foot full service. Uh, they're now about 90% leased, and that remaining 10% is being marketed at $32 a square foot, wow. way above the, the balance of the market. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. So if you're not from Atlanta, you know, our, our, our highest rents are probably, you know, 40 bucks a foot all in for the nicest space, right? Uh, but a lot of the rents are probably, you know, 22, 28 bucks a foot in very nice infill, close-in areas and in very nice buildings. So they're getting some pretty high rents to be 25 miles north of town. Right. A real premium, but it's, yeah. uh, again, it's, it's back to <clears throat> where employers need to be to recruit employees. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So let's talk about development. Where is it time to develop now? We talked to, we've talked to the analysts, and they've mentioned some cities. Where, where are you guys active? Where's the, where's the place to build now? Well, of course, you know we're active. Our firm's active uh, all over the country. Um, uh, the gateway cities that we've heard talking about, talk, spoken about the, this morning, uh, are are very active. Uh, secondary and tertiary markets are just beginning to become active. We've got it, where I sit in Atlanta. We have a, we're seeing a lot of development in in cities like Nashville, uh, Raleigh, Miami, uh, certainly Atlanta, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina is is ripe for new development. Uh, but again, uh, for us, in, in all of those markets, it's critical that we're in the right location uh, for long-term growth. Right. And so in the Atlanta market, you're, you're doing spec. Right. And how about in these other cities in the southeast? Not spec. Not spec. Not spec. Okay. We're, uh, we're looking at, uh, we might go spec in a, in, in a, a major gateway market like, like Miami, uh, okay. potentially. Um, but in, in most markets, uh, we're going to only do a development where we've got a lead tenant. Right. Is there a certain amount of uh, pre-leasing uh, that you like to see on a project like that, say, in Miami? Yeah, 50% is, uh, is probably uh, the, the good rule of thumb. But, you know, even that's changed in Atlanta. When we're, as even 24 months ago, all of us were thinking we had to be at least 50% pre-lease before we started a building. We're going spec in two markets now uh, in, in the Atlanta market. We mentioned uh, the North Fulton sub-market. We're going spec in, in Midtown as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Midtown seems like a, a sure bet. And, I've, I've, you know, that one out in the suburbs is, is just crazy. I think if people you got to go see this project though. yeah i mean to get an understanding but as soon as you go outside the project the rents just drop dramatically the prices drop dramatically for everything so it's 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 kind of an oasis out here in the suburbs is pretty amazing well one of the reasons that we hear from from uh, developers and, and office owners that they're not building is because the land prices are too high and construction costs have gone up. What are you seeing for some sample costs to, 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 to build a new building today? Well, you know, again, it depends upon the mm-hmm. kind of building that you're building and mm-hmm. the location that you're building it in. I mean, there are still opportunities in the north northern suburbs to uh, deliver a product where you're all in. Uh, rental costs would be in the high 20s. Uh, and that's still a, a, a very attractive to a certain number of, of companies. So that would be a, a, a construction price that would be somewhere in the 200 to $250 a square foot range. But um, in the urban and suburban core, those uh, those construction prices are going to be as high as as 300 to $350 a square foot or even more, depending mm-hmm. upon what the tenant expectation is for TI and, and other uh, variables. Right. So you're including tenant improvement build outs uh, in those rough estimates. Yes, right? that's that's the all in cost. And then, of course, okay. you know, so you you apply your rent constant on that and then 
and then what your operating expense is. So, you know, those rents that I just described to you, as I mentioned, higher uh, 20s in the suburbs, up to $40 or more in the urban areas. Okay. And where have you seen the, the highest increases in those costs? Has it, has it been in the land? Has it been in the, some of the construction aspects? Or? It's, it's not in the land, that, okay. uh, that's for sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's mostly uh, commodities uh, associated with construction and labor. If you think okay. about what's happened across this country, uh, construction came to a grinding halt mm-hmm. during, the, uh, during the downturn. So finding those qualified uh, construction workers in, in these cities is very, very challenging. And you, by way of example, in a major city like Atlanta, where we've got two major sports in, uh, franchises building a, a, a sports facilities, very challenging. Right. Yeah. Everyone's busy. All the construction companies, all the no sub, question about right? it. So how much harder is it to build in a couple sentences, if you will, to build in, in a secondary or tertiary market compared to one of these core gateway cities? Well, it's challenging, uh, but not impossible. I think mm-hmm. our institutional partners, as I say, are going to look for uh, pre-leasing, mm-hmm. uh, or we're building for a specific tenant need. Yeah. So the the leasing is, I guess, going to be slower, obviously, in these markets, or is it not in these tertiary or secondary markets than, than the core? Again, depends upon the market. Right. You know, right. Nashville, uh, their job growth is, is every bit as robust as some major uh, gateways. Yeah. Good. I think I'm going to go to Nashville and become a, a country singer then. I'm, I think I'm going to move there. You might be good at that. Well, my mother told me I was born there, but I don't really remember it. I don't know. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the office market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking about the U.S. office market. John Hagee is here with us from Heinz to talk about the office market. And, and John, I think some of the questions that investors have and, and people in general uh, is how long will the good times last? It seems like you know real estate always cycles, right? And it seems like uh, it's time for the cycle to go down. But it, we've had slow job growth. We've had slow growth in the economy. You know, we still have interest rates that are incredibly low. We've got an office market that seems to be improving for, for landlords like you guys. How long is this going to last? What's your crystal ball tell you? Well, you know, no question about it. We all are feeling pretty good. But I'm going to leave the, the real prediction to the experts on, on how much time we've really got. Um, the market does feel like to all of us that we've got a, a longer runway ahead of us, which is, which is great. Um, the downturn has really uh, created uh, a lot of, of pent-up demand that I think we're just now beginning to, to see come to uh, the market for the first time. Um, the, the fact in most of these major markets there's been no new construction and a lot of uh, restraint on the part of our institutional partners that you know now we've been able to see some real growth some real rent growth uh, in our in our products which has frankly allowed us to start building again yeah well I would agree with all that it seems like we're gonna have a, a longer run this time because uh, companies have been kind of conservative now they're starting to grow uh, and like you said there's been severe lack of, of new construction and uh, uh, I think even though we still have 
companies using less square footage per employee. Uh, we have people uh, working at home and that sort of thing. We still have a robust economy. And, uh, you know, I think if interest rates do rise, that's kind of another signal that the economy is improving, isn't that's, it? That's no question about yeah. it. And, you know, something you just said, it's interesting that a lot of companies did send employees home. Yeah. Uh, as a way to save cost yeah. and now with with what they're certainly experiencing trying to uh, create more collaboration among their employees they're calling them all back and yeah. and they they need more space yeah well i'd like to ask your advice to landlord reps so if if i'm a broker which i am and i'm leasing a landlord's office building give me some advice uh, in that regard well you know um the success to every transaction doesn't necessarily just uh hinge on on economics, um, I think there are a lot of high qualified, highly qualified brokers that are, are really understanding that now with their clients. It's back to uh, uh, this whole notion that there's such a war for talent that that companies are, are are looking for their brokers to help them find the right location, not just the absolute last penny in a deal. It's it's where's the right location, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, commodity selling, which we still see, is a very slippery slope. Um, I, I, I've heard numerous times from uh, brokers, the old guard, that still like to sell on, on price, say, you know, what a huge m- mistake that's been for them in terms of, of not being able to really relate well uh, with, the, with their tenants. And then the last thing is, um, uh, you know, as a landlord, I think it's important that we, we think about the mix of tenants that are in our building. Uh, very similar to the way uh, retailers, uh, retail developers think about their merchandise mix of, of tenants in their centers. Uh, it's important to, to figure out what are the best tenants to put in our building, not just, you know, who's going to fill it up, but uh, what are the best tenants to put in this building to kind of create the, uh, the vibe and the excitement in the, in the building. Okay. How about a one-sentence tip for a tenant looking for space in the current market? Well, I'd say get into the market early and, uh, and uh, you know, think very carefully about, about your office space. Uh, uh, think about it like your business is going to depend upon it because I tell you what, it does. Yeah. Well, good points, John. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, we appreciate sir. it. Happy to be here. Yeah, on. that's a great tip. The location is so much more important for office users today. It's almost as important as retail, you know, has been in the past. And, you know, you want to be in the right place to, uh, for, like you said before, with transit and everything else. Well, John, exactly again, right. thank you. Great information. Well, please join us next week. We're going to talk about the industrial market. Uh, and as some of the industrial guys like to say, that's the sexy sector. And it certainly has had a lot of demand from institutional and other investors for industrial leased property. So be sure and join us. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.